Welcome back to Matrix Breakers. Today I'm just gonna cover some current events and I will also be going live on Instagram. So if you hear me addressing what seems like a, an audience, uh, you know, for whoever does decide to come on these Instagram lives, I'll be addressing them. Uh, and if they ask any questions or make any comments, I'll be sure to try to read them out loud uh, prior to answering them so that the podcast audience can get a feel for what people out here on Instagram are getting an idea with as well. So you never know with these IG lives though, they might just, um, you know, not be, uh, who, you know, people might not join as, as, as efficiently as um, depending on the time or whatever. But um, uh, I wanted to cover some current events, some things that are going on and some things that are happening uh, coming up. Uh, I have an event uh, this week and I'm going to be on the radio as well this Thursday. So lots of exciting things happening and I'm going to address that with the Instagram audience which I'm going to go live here uh, right about now time so let me address them as well. Hello everybody uh, you know I'm going to be covering some current events some things that are going on in my life some things that are coming up uh, and uh, just some research some things I've been looking at for my talk on uh, Wednesday or on Thursday we're doing an event here at my home so if you're listening or watching this now you're more than welcome to come to that event. I can send you the flyer if you're interested uh, in coming to the event. It's going to be a good event and it's going to be exciting. So uh, we're going to be doing a healing arts thing. So it's going to be dedicated to kind of, um, you know, uh, getting people together and talking about healing, especially during a time like COVID where it seems more and more people are losing touch with their natural immune system, their natural ability to heal, their natural ability to overcome disease, overcome viruses, uh, through a natural method, you know, through the body. So that's why we're hosting that that event, and I am responsible for the vaccine talk uh, that we're going to be having. And you know, there's a lot of you know information out there regarding the vaccination program and stuff. And you know, that's the first thing I wanted to address with all of you today uh, is the significance I think of the vaccine program. And I uh, I actually was referring to a lot of different documents, but the American uh, or America's FrontlineDoctors.org, they have a really neat website. Uh, they are the doctors, if you remember, who in July had a press conference about their experience with patients with COVID-19, you know, and they were able to explain how their treatment of their patients was extremely successful. And how they had 100% recovery rates and no deaths in their doc in their uh, doctor clinics or their hospitals wherever they were all over the country. And so, what happened was, I think all these different doctors were prescribing hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and uh, just providing vitamin C, vitamin D, things of that nature to help recover their patients who had experienced COVID-19. And they all got together from all different parts of the country because they realized that the attack really on hydroxychloroquine uh, brought them all together because they were extremely confused to see the medical community, uh, the mainstream media, and even politicians who have no idea about this subject attacking a malaria drug that has been in a prescription here in America but just has been widely available over the counter uh, all over the world for 75 years. And so uh, with that confusion of the assault on hydroxychloroquine, 
they all got together and said, why is this happening? Why isn't my hospital allowing me to prescribe my patient a well-known malaria virus, viral, antiviral drug called hydroxychloroquine that has extremely, you know, uh, little, extremely little uh, side effects. You know, it's absolutely fascinating. And for those of you, I just got a phone call, so I had to, I had to ignore that. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's just fascinating to think that, you know, something like a hydroxychloroquine would be such, so, so under attack by everything mainstream, right? Including, by the way, the World Health Organization and the United Nations. And so for those of you following the podcast, you know exactly uh, why the United Nations or the W Health, uh, the W, uh, well, the World Health Organization or the WHO uh, would be a problem uh, under these circumstances because clearly it seems like uh, these attacks on hydroxychloroquine from the doctor's perspectives, the ones that were actually treating patients successfully, they could just see how there was an exaggeration of fear happening and how that was what was driving the uh, the lockdowns, the masks, and all of the extremely um, irresponsible uh, things, uh, policies that were in place, you know, that actually hurt the world economy, that really hurt and destroyed, you know, the way the world was, you know, and that's uh, extremely powerful. So I think that that alone, that got them all together as doctors, as professionals. And so they had this big press conference and they basically exposed to the world and they ended the pandemic through what they know and their research and working with patients of all ages, of all, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, pre-existing conditions with the virus and treating them effectively. They ended the pandemic with what they knew, okay? Uh, and then also, you know, at the end of the day, um, one of the doctors, Dr. Simeon uh, Gold or Simon Gold, however you want to look at that, uh, she had just said it perfectly, you know, had stated that what her father had said, who was also a doctor, a physician, he had said that the pneumonia or pneumonia in general could be a man's best friend. And, and what he meant by that was that, you know, when you're in a broken down state and a broken age, uh, in a sense that your body's already in decline, uh, you could really die, you know, given your illness or disease that you're currently with, or the, the you know, some of the pre-existing conditions you're already having and you're suffering that pneumonia is kind of a way that it can, it, it takes you, it, it kills you, but it does it in a way that's, that's just by natural causes and, and, and it just kind of ends your life, uh, but in a peaceful way, as opposed to kind of dragging on and on with a, with, with a particular disease or illness. Pneumonia is a way of killing you actually. Uh, that's more, that sounds so weird to even think about, but it's actually kind of true, you know? Uh, when you're much older and you're frail and you are, you know, just you're barely hanging on, you're living under conditions that are just not ideal. Um, it's not that you want to take your own life or anything like that. No, no one should be suicidal. Uh, some people get into their old age and they get, they're suffering. And everyone knows this who has a family member who's older, who's basically just suffering. You know, their their life, you know, going on is harder than just going on in terms of dying and moving on to the next world, uh, you know, into, into, into heaven and to the next, you know, interdimensional place that we go to in death. And so I think that uh, a way that to, to look at pneumonia, killing off the old is, is a positive thing 
just that it happens naturally. You know what I mean? It's just a natural way for you to go. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I think that uh, those are powerful words coming from a doctor who deals with this kind of stuff in hospitals all of the time, you know, as, a, as her way of life, her, her living. Um, and so, you know, I think that with that, they, these, these doctors coming together and doing the type of research that they were doing about hydroxychloroquine, but also about the vaccines and just what the hell was going on in the world and why the whole world was being shut down over coronavirus, you know, that was able to, to help out a lot, you know, with, with, when it comes to um, these different situations. So I just wanted to say that um, I really respect the frontline doctors. What they put together here was absolutely phenomenal in terms of information. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at their website now. It's just it's just a really well done website. But again, most if not all of these doctors were fired from their hospitals. You know, I think even a couple of them had their license revoked just for speaking out against the mainstream narrative on behalf of COVID-19 and the treatment of it. So, you know, I find that absolutely stunning, absolutely fascinating. And so for them to gather together and to to make a make make changes to make a difference, you know, with all, everything going on, I think is just absolutely uh, it's fascinating. So I was I was really going through a bunch of uh, of information in in terms of the vaccine and how powerful this stuff is. I mean, it's just unbelievable. They've got all the information here available on their website. There's other great websites, Dell Big Tree, uh, and. Uh, I forgot the other doctor's name. There's there's a couple out there that are really amazing in terms of the vaccine. And so me, I mean, if you're watching this now or listening to this, I would love more information on what you think about the vaccine, uh, what you think about, you know, uh, people getting it. And then especially younger people where it seems like obviously COVID-19 has a, I'm not even kidding, it's got a 99.9% survival rate, uh, uh, especially if you're under 50. I mean, it's just kind of amazing to me why you would get an experimental vaccine if you already have a 99.9% of surviving COVID-19, you know, and one of the bigger things here with the vaccine itself has has been the cytokine storm that could happen uh, given the, uh, what was the word they used for it? It was the antibody dependent enhancement is a, a, just a scientific term referring to uh, a virus coming into the body and studying the antibodies that were already there. Maybe they were put there by the vaccine and it actually enhances uh, or I could say uh, increases the infection itself of the virus because the virus studies the antibodies that are already there and basically just, uh, you know, replicates a in a sense against these antibodies is the best way I can explain it, or that it already studies the antibodies so it knows how to defeat them and knows how to replicate even in the environment of antibodies. So what would have been without a vaccine would have been a very simple coronavirus, would have been a very simple viral infection to defeat for the body has now become much harder because of what's called a cytokine storm uh, and the fact that, you know, these people are experiencing what's called in the wild virus, right? So they're introduced with this broken down virus. They have antibodies, but then when they're introduced again later in life 
to the wild virus, okay, in the what they call it in the wild. That's their terminology, in the wild, meaning just out there in the world. Uh, you experience even more intense symptoms and you even could experience death where you would have otherwise have just gotten over the cold. And so what they and these and these doctors studying this, they are saying that, look, I mean, this with the mass vaccinations and the possibility of this happening, which is very high and has already happened with the with this vaccine in particular, multiple vaccines, by the way, three of them, they could see instead of a 99.98% overall cure rate of COVID-19, which is extremely high, meaning there's really no chance of, I mean, there's more of a chance of you dying in a car accident, you know, obviously. Um, it would change a 99.98% cure rate to a 20, possible 20 to 30% death rate because you're putting in antibodies that the virus can study and then replicate and defeat those antibodies and actually make the the, the, the entire uh, infection worse, okay? So just think about that. I mean, that's fascinating. So, you know, there's a lot of issues with the vaccine. It's very obvious. That's a, and this, and this doctor, uh, this frontline doctor's document is a very simple one at that, you know, they make sure that they kind of come together with a lot of that information uh, and they do so in a very concise way, in a very simplistic way. And I would say that most of these doctors, they get immunized, they get vaccines themselves, but what they explain in this uh, document is how this is all entirely experimental. You know, there is no animal trials. This is all completely rushed, okay? And based on what I know now from the SARS uh, pandemic exercise that Johns Hopkins University did, they they admit exactly how this would play out to the T practically, including social media posts from politicians and from the CDC and from celebrities and all these other things. So from that pandemic exercise, we know that there's going to be side effects from the vaccine down the road. So if there's going to be side effects down the road and it's known already in this document, you have to realize that in the emergency authorization of these vaccines, they that, that basically means that patients that experience any kind of harm from the vaccines are able to get compensated. So it's like the government, through the emergency authorization, through the FDA, has knowingly, okay, approved these, these vaccines. And then when somebody gets hurt down the road and they prove it was from the vaccine scientifically, they will be able to get compensated by taxpayer dollars. So taxpayer dollars will compensate these people who are experiencing side effects down the road. So again, that's from the pandemic exercise. The pandemic exercise, mind you, that has been correct up until now, okay? So these are things that I'll be covering on Thursday. I'm sharing these things with you now so that I can really get some practice and how to explain it all. Um, but just to share with you guys on the podcast who may not be able to attend, you know, in my house, right, the, the event. So, you know, it's absolutely fascinating what's going on and, and uh, it's, it's an exciting time to be alive. You know, and then on top of all of this vaccine stuff and and really the what could be a 20 to 30 percent increase in death, okay, coming in the next fall, in the next coronavirus season, which will be the flu season of this winter. So think about that. By this next winter, we'll have 200 million people with the vaccine inside their body, uh, which is so sad to even think about. I can't believe that there's that many people that would get the vaccine. 
Um, but there's gonna be over 200 million people that get the vaccine and they could be at a higher rate of infection. They, they will have a, they will have a worse situation given the fact that they, if they were to ever be infected, I mean, this is where, and then on top of that, which these doctors make very clear that they were mostly, they were most, this was the most profound, uh, the most concerning part of the entire vaccine rollout has been the fact that it has been healthcare workers and first responders who are going to get the vaccine first, which has already happened. So millions of healthcare workers and first responders are now vaccinated with a vaccine that is experimental and that could have a profound, horrific effect on a, on a simple coronavirus infection in the future. So now our first responders and our healthcare workers that, that, that are literally saving lives in hospitals, not from the flu, but from all kinds of situations. Now those are the people that are all vaccinated. They are the ones that are most vulnerable to a simple cold virus that could cause a cytokine storm inside the body and put them out for weeks at a time of illness, permanent damage possibly, and even death. So our first responders and healthcare workers are being killed essentially with a vaccine therapy, an experimental vaccine therapy. That to me is the most stunning part of this entire thing because it's also the most stunning to these doctors. These doctors who are explaining this, they cannot believe that they're making it priority. And not only that, but they're even forcing it in many cases onto these first responders and these people who are in the hospital that, you know, oh, they might get the coronavirus. They even, you know, even though they've been, you know, fighting COVID this whole time in the hospitals, it's just absolutely fascinating. Something that I would, I'm just, I'm also blown away by. So uh, even if you get partial truth out of that, the cytokine storms or any of that, even if that happens at a minute level, it will be devastating to the very infrastructure of our society because we're talking about first responders here. We're talking about people who save lives in healthcare and other places. I mean, this is <clears throat> out of hand to say the least, okay? Uh, and then on top of all of this vaccine stuff, You've got these the trial happening. This, you know, this uh, Derek Chauvin trial, you know, and with this entire trial, this has been a most fascinating thing to watch and to witness. Has been the real demonization of policing, but it's not just to do that. This is what we call a Soviet show trial. You know, the guy Derek Chauvin had already uh, pleaded guilty to third degree murder because he had other tax problems and other corruption issues where he was going to serve prison time regardless okay so he was willing to um you know say hey i'm willing to accept third degree murder which is kind of like a you know like a you go you, you go crazy you shoot into a crowd and you kill one person that's like third degree murder it's kind of like a, it's 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 like a it's far away from you doing it but you still are responsible um, or like driving and, and hitting and killing people through something, you know, those are third degree murder, uh, convictions. So you already had a guy who would plead guilty to that without any trial at all, just uh, negotiating with the prosecution and they didn't accept his guilty plea. They said, no, we want a trial. We want a whole show trial. So what's happening right here is the fact that this guy, George Floyd, 
he died of a heart attack because he ate fentanyl that he had on him because he didn't want to get caught with the fentanyl on him. So he swallows the fentanyl and then he dies of an overdose. Okay. That's what he dies of the cardiac arrest. He didn't die from this guy choking him or whatever, his knee on his back or whatever. That's not how the guy died. The guy, George Floyd was taken out of the vehicle, placed on the ground under his own will. That's what he wanted to be placed on the ground because he was freaking out because he was experiencing, you know, these uh, heart attack. I mean, the guy was going under a cardiac arrest. And so then he dies. And yeah, you know, was the cop doing that? Was, was Should he have paramedics there? All these other problems. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's a lot of issues with the whole with the whole thing, you know. But at the end of the day, they want to convict him of felony murder charge, right? Uh, that's what they – this is what the, 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 you know, the whole movement, the whole Black Lives Matter movement wants to do. But what happens is if you convict him of a felony murder charge, meaning that like that guy was intent on murdering, he went there to murder the guy, he murdered him on the street and then that's for sure what happened when he had his knee on his back that, that he was the one murdering this particular person even though there have been thousands, okay, thousands – of cases where police use that exact prone position to detain individuals because it's known to be the safest way to detain somebody because it's not a lot of stress on the the police officer and it's not a lot of stress on the detainee because they're just simply laying down in prone position, you know, there on the ground, you know, with body weight that's basically like enough to be like, hey, you know, you're not going anywhere. So with all that being said, they are going to prosecute this guy. They want to lynch him. If it was up to the crowd outside, uh, and this entire thing is what we call a Soviet-style show trial. It's all a show trial. The guy has already pleaded guilty to all these other things. So what you're seeing now is destruction of property, rioting. This isn't even, uh, in many cases, it's not even classic protest. I mean, there's just straight-up looting of Nike, of of, uh, of Foot Locker, of Apple, of, you know, in Portland, which may or may not have anything to do with this entire Sh Derek Chauvin case. I mean, in Portland, uh, they they burned down Apple, okay? They burned down Apple. So there's all of this insanity happening around this idea that nine people, statistically, nine black men are killed by police every year, nine to 12, depending on the year, and somehow that's a pandemic. It's the same exact numbers concept as you see with the COVID-19. You see a flu, influenza you know, sort of being hyped up into this killer that it's really not. And and it's a 99.9% .9 survival rate, meaning like that's the same survival rate if you were to get pulled over by the police. It's the same, you know, you're going to survive. You know what I mean? There's like a, a super majority chance that you survive a police encounter, okay? And that is the concept here is that that's the issue is that people think that that people that, that black people are getting shot everywhere and driving while black or whatever and that's just not statistically facts you know and the same thing with covid they people think you know i think that there was this study and you know if you want to watch something really good bill maher who's a uber liberal okay he explained the entire media propaganda the fear the statistics the analysis everything okay and what he was able to explain was that the media or that there was a there was a poll that was run and and republicans and democrats were running the poll and that democrats thought that um that the death rate 
of the virus was like 30 to 40 percent. Something totally insane. So that Democrats on average thought the death rate of the virus was like 30 percent. It's like, of course, that's not true. You know what I mean? But then Republicans obviously leaned and said, no, that's not true. You know, people with this at this age at this age group, you know, more likely weren't going to die kind of thing. And the Republicans on average answered correctly. Uh, and, and Bill Maher said, hey, look, uh, as liberals, you know, we believe in science and we're really, you know, scientific. Uh, but, you know, we got this wrong. How did we get this so wrong? How did we get coronavirus and the COVID-19 pandemic and the death rate, how do we get this so wrong? And he said, it's very simple. The media is lying about the severity of this virus, the severity of COVID-19. So he gets it. You know, Bill Maher gets it. He's waking up and he's trying to wake up his audience. He's trying to explain to his audience that this is not a way to handle a virus. Okay. And now we see the problems flooding the border, you know, and this is moving from topic to topic. But with the with this entire pandemic there's a real pandemic there's a real crisis happening on the border so while we're being distracted with a Derek Chauvin case and the trial and black lives matter and then we've got covid in the background and the numbers and the vaccine and all that all the while our border are, is completely collapsed we have private planes flying illegal immigrants all over the country and you ask yourself why who is paying that kind of money to privately fly hundreds of illegal immigrants all over the country, specifically in places, okay, that are, that are cities, that are major cities. And these are places that people are going to suffer, you know, in terms of their own infrastructure, all the problems they're going to deal with with the immigrants there. And, and these are people in minority communities, especially that are going to deal with these immigrants flooding in there. Well, how can you spend? I was just stunned with the footage I was seeing with buses, you know, charities, uh, but they're not really charities. They're getting paid. You know, you're finding out how much money they're getting paid, how they're flying hundreds of people across the country, thousands now, if you, if you understand the planes. Do you understand how much that costs to fill a plane up and knowing that neither of those illegal immigrants have the money to pay for a flight? They have no money to pay for a flight, but yet they're on these private planes being flown all over the place. This is a mass human trafficking, but this is happening, remember, because the United Nations worked overtime to actually lock those countries down. When you lock these third world populations down, the, their economy, you're locking them all down. And so it's causing them to have strife and political strife, uh, political problems and economic problems, the likes of which we've never even seen here in the first world. And so then those very same illegal immigrants end up crossing over into our borders, right? They become illegal as soon as they cross the border illegally because they're not here on asylum. They're not here getting immigration. They're not immigrating here legally. They're not going through any kind of paperwork. They're literally just walking across the border and they're being picked up by border patrol. They're being taken to these different Catholic charities and they're being distributed across the country via bus and plane. Why is this happening? The overall picture and the overall view isn't just Democrats running scams. That is happening. They do get votes out of these people. They do get, you know, uh, slave labor out of these people. Uh, they do get, you know, sex labor, uh, s uh, sex, sex labor out of these people, these children. Many of them are pregnant, by the way, 12 years old, nine years old, pregnant, okay, coming into America. So you get all these issues, but it's not just that. It's the United Nations 
and these big banks that are actually funding the collapse of the United States. They don't actually give a shit about these human beings that are coming across the border from the third world. They don't actually care about them. They're just paying money. Think about millions of dollars. The, clearly, the cartel isn't paying for it. I mean, the, 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 the immigrants themselves, they're not paying the tickets to go fly everywhere. No, this is being paid by huge banks, okay, that are doing this to collapse the United States. That is the only agenda of what is actually happening with these individuals. So, you know, it's just covering quite a lot and there is quite a lot going on. And this is all leading back to this entire vaccine rollout, everything else. And so, you know, I'm over here making sure that people are informed, that people know about what's really going on because I find it very important. You know, and the good news about all of this is the fact that you know, we're growing as uh, a population in terms of the awakening, in terms of people actually coming together, in terms of common sense, you know, the polling data, everything is pointing to an awakening population, uh, a population of people that every day is, is becoming awake. You know, you don't become awake by going back to sleep. I do know that there are a lot of people who are discouraged by the voting system. They're discouraged by how the way things are going. They're being very negative and pessimistic about where the world is going and what the future holds. But I ask you that you as an individual, if you're feel, feeling uh, fear and you're worried about the future, don't live like that in your life. You need to open up and you need to make sure to reach out to people, connect with more people, you know, send them more information. But more importantly, you need to be informed yourself about the positive developments that are happening all over the world. Because there is quite a bit happening all over the world. There's a lot happening that are positive developments, you know, and you know, it's just that people are not really even seeing that news. But at the end of the day, you know, when you put the pressure on, people are going to make a difference. And that is what you have to understand about where we're at now. This is our opportunity as a uh, as the millennial generation, especially if you're listening to this, which the majority of you guys are millennials, uh, but even the younger people, we get this opportunity to make a difference. We get this opportunity to make a change. So this is our time. It's our opportunity. It's our crisis. And so we have to essentially rise to the occasion. So that's everything I had to share today. You guys are absolutely awesome. Uh, and get the podcast available on Apple and Spotify. So that's where we're all rolling. It's going on for us. We're, you know, and IG Live, we're, we're definitely rolling with it. And uh, there was just some people coming on and, in and on there. Not as many questions, but that is all right. And I'll close out the podcast here. Appreciate you guys listening. 